Mattia Bonotto ambushes Daniel Ricciardo on track, causing him to bail out in Q2, probably. Alonso takes a top five start and Oscar Piastri is in Formula One for 2022, kind of. Hello there, my name is James Baldwin and welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. In this episode, we review the qualifying and practice in a pre-drinking fashion of the Qatari Grand Prix. And I'm joined, as always, by my friends and yours. It's Campy, the fiddler on the roof. How you doing, mate? Good, mate. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing like a joke getting in just before we start recording. Uh, The old in-jokes, eh? They're perfect for everybody out there. Tommy T, how you doing? I'm very good. How are you? It's the your uh, favourite LeBron James podcast. That's what this is. Welcome. Yeah, welcome back. Welcome oh, back. Could have picked who wrote that one. We are, yes, we'll, uh, I will discuss that more in our race review podcast. But uh, look, thanks so much for joining us here on Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. Uh, and uh, welcome if you've found us via TikTok. That's right, we are now on TikTok. Campy does assure you on TikTok. You never thought he'd see the day. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Mark nope, came reminding us that uh, TikTok it. is a Chinese company. So we'll just see how that plays out when we talk about what's happening with Alfa Romeo next year shortly. Uh, but a massive thank you to Ash and to Lewis for doing all of the amazing things that they're doing on social media. Uh, really appreciate that. Thank you to you, of course, as well for subscribing to the podcast, whether it's on YouTube uh, or whether it's on Apple or Spotify or Google, whatever you're doing, we really appreciate it. But lads, let's get straight into talking about some news ahead of talking about the Qatari Grand Prix. Tommy T, starting with you, the uh, the good news, I suppose, firstly, is that Oscar Piastri is going to be in Formula One in 2022, kind of. Kind of. Uh, to be honest, like we kind of have spoken about it a few times now, I think, and we think this is probably the better of the options rather than taking some time out to go to a different formula and getting your hands out of that kind of team. He's going to be there. And from what it sounds like, he's going to do a fair bit of work and practice and he's going to be right in included into that team. So like we've, we've heard formula one drivers, I think Jensen button said it best on one of his podcasts that he was talking about is like, there's so much to learn outside of the car with the team. So if he can get a head start on that going into his F1 career before he even gets to drive, that's also a positive. So we can't forget that side of it too. So I'm excited. I, I think this is the right decision. And he's got Mark Webber, obviously, as his manager, guiding him and kind of going, don't do what I did. <laughs> let's figure out some of the the right decisions and let's be a bit luckier than I was, say. So I think it's really positive for Oscar. It's good news, Campy. I mean, we, there was a lot of conversation around when he announced it about who he would be replacing in the Alpine team, be it Ocon and Alonso, one saying, oh, well, when Fernando retires, then it, he can slot in. No, 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 no. Ocon, get the hell out of the way, buddy. No one gives a crap anymore. No one cares. And put Alonso next side Piastri. That's going to be bloody amazing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. I, uh Look, Ocon had a good start to this year. Uh, took Fernando a bit, and unfortunately for Oscar, Ocon got that long-term, long-term contract. But we know that contracts aren't worth the money they're printed on these days. If a team wants you out, you're out. So I'm putting that down. James. How many um, contracts do you sign that are printed on, on money, money, Kevin? <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. No, I'm writing it, I'm writing it down. Um, so Please write look, that down, Tommy. Yeah, I, look. 
I think it's the right thing for Oscar, but as I've said before, Alpine needs to get him in the car as regularly as possible, not just testing. They need to give him at least two days in the preseason testing for next year. Uh, they need to get him into as many FP1 sessions as possible as he learns throughout the year. Maybe not so early, but later on in the back half of next year. The only thing it's a bit of a shame for me is that I think Alpha. Alfa Romeo would have been a really good destination with Valtteri Bottas there next year. Um, I think that would have been an incredible learning experience coming in the car. Yeah. We, we, know he's, we, we know he's shown some very solid pace at times, albeit in the team. I mean, you expect to win in that car, but he's beaten everyone else that's that's in it, you know, on the trot, F3, uh, F2 this year as well. Probably it's going to take a monumental stuff up on his behalf to lose this championship. Mm. So, look, I think – look. Either way, I think it would have been a good decision for him, but uh, we just need to trust the process, I think, behind closed doors and what's happening, and uh, he will get a drive in F1 at some stage. Just hope he doesn't have to wait two or three years to get it. So, Yep, no, absolutely right. Well, it'll be good uh, to see him in a car for 2023, whatever car that might be. As I said, hopefully it is in that Alpine alongside Fernando. Of course, though, that means that the second worst-kept secret in Formula 1 for 2021 uh, was announced that Guan Yu Zhou is going uh, to <laughs> Alfa Romeo. So congratulations to that downtown Shanghai uh, Alfa Romeo dealership for spoiling it for the rest of us. Uh, but also, yeah, I mean, it was it's kind of a done deal after the Andretti conversations really came out. I think that's probably delayed the announcement more than anything. Yep. Uh, but look, I mean, Guan Yu Zhou copped a lot of hate on social media for, for this. Uh, I don't necessarily think... We should be hating yeah. him. It's not like the same kind of environment where Nikita Mazepin came in. There was that incident, and everyone's like, "Hang on a second, that's not okay." Yes, the guy's been driving in Formula Two for three years. <laughs> Whatever. Look, the guy is, seems nice enough. To be perfectly honest, uh, all, yeah. all the video content we've seen out of Formula Two, you know, he's he's mm-hmm. happy to be here. The fact that he was wearing his Alonso getup, I think there's a photo of him in 2004 or five with uh, with the Renault getup. Incredibly uh, cool, uh, you know, inside of the track. It's good. It's a a dream. He seems like he's a nice enough guy. Hopefully he has some pace. Does he deserve the hate? No. Does Oscar deserve the seat more? Yes. But this is Formula One. It is what it is. But Campy, for for what we can expect next year, I suppose, (laughs) now for Guan Yu Zhou, obviously Valtteri Bottas, as you just said before, would be a great mentor for Oscar Piastri. He's also going to be a good mentor for Guan Yu Zhou if Zhou is, is willing to learn, which it seems like he is. Yeah, I think you said that absolutely right. He doesn't deserve the hate that he's getting at the moment. But I think the problem and the reason he's getting the hate is not because of who he is and like what he's done in his career so thus far. It's because of the whole China issue around the world at the moment and people's opinions of China and F1 you know, committing to doing business with them in a political climate that's not great. And that's the reason he's getting hate. This kid's done nothing wrong. It's got nothing to do with the people of China or the. it's clearly to do with the government the way they handle things. I mean, this story with the tennis player uh, going missing after calling out one of their... um, one of their one of their politicians over there. I think that's going to happen. Like at some level, it has to have some global ramifications for China and the world, and how we deal with them in a sporting context. I think what's happening over there is wrong. In saying that, for Joe, I think he's it's tough for him. He's in a, he's in a tough place because uh, yeah, again, he's a pay driver. So he's you know he's the fourth really big pay driver out of twenty uh, twenty drivers on the grid at the moment. So I mean. It's not a great look for our sport, but he's got a great opportunity. And, uh, 
you know, you've made it to the pinnacle now. You got to make you got to make the got to make your chances work. And let's hope he's he's not somebody that that, that fails to you know, take the chance when he gets it. Because no one will care about why he got the seat, where he came from in five mm-hmm. years. If he's a solid driver and he's yep. competing and he's doing everything he needs to do, that'll go really quick. So yeah, look, yep. we've got to congratulate him for getting his seat. Do I think he deserved it over over some others? Yep. No, he didn't deserve it. Some others. Drivers could have got it, but hey, he's got a shot, so take it with both hands mm. and uh, we will chat about it, yeah. no doubt, over the next year, a <laughs> couple of years and see how he goes. So, I think the big I'm thing sure. for me, Tommy T, was just how, you know, excited yeah. Oscar was for him too. You know, there, there was no, like, holding back. At the end of the day, they're academy yeah, teammates in sure. a lot of ways, yeah. so they've been operating in the same space. You know, yes, Joe's been in for three years, yep. but Prema, who – Piastri is racing for is a better team. And whilst there's identical machinery, the setups are different. And we know that that Prema team yep. has been on top for years and years yep. and years and years. They have the best mechanics in there. Not that I'm saying that it's necessarily yes. the best, the like the better car. And the best Potentially drivers, yeah. Joe's driving, you know, outperforming the setup that he's got right. in the F2 car. Anyway, look, I know we'll talk about it lots going forward, but my point is, it's really great sure. that Oscar is going to be involved in Formula 1 next year, absolutely, as the reserve driver. It's great to see him at the Qatari Grand Prix on the pit wall already that Alpine, are, you know, bring him into the fold. Yeah. Uh, hopefully they can sort out who their team principal is in the next couple of weeks because, as we said last time around, Otmar has been yeah. rumoured to have gone. Then he put out a thing saying, my social media team has, just, has decided to say that this is not happening, so therefore it's not happening. Um, it, he's obviously very good at skirting the question like <laughs> he was with Checo last year. But, hey, yeah. if he ends up there in Alpine and it's good for Oscar, then fantastic. Really what it, what really cares. But I suppose the biggest thing, Tommy, is Giovinazzi. Yeah. Uh, not only is he leaving, but it was very quickly announced that he was going to Formula E uh, to, yeah. to Dragon Penske Formula E team. So there's at least there's some uh, pedigree in that uh, Penske name. Going into Formula E, which is going to be good. If we're going to go into a fourth generation of Formula E car yeah. the year after next, so there's potentially going to be some interesting space there. I'm just happy he's going racing somewhere. Uh, I think it would have been a big shame if he had to sort of do a Grosjean, which is like, okay, yes. well now I've got to really fight to find somewhere. Is it IndyCar? Is it Formula E? Is it DTM? Whatever it is, but uh, clearly he was well aware mm. weeks ago that this was going to happen. So he's had the ability to make those decisions and uh, sort out his career yeah. for the future. Yeah, and he's not without talent. We know that he's quick. I think he just he was unlucky, like we've seen so many other Formula One drivers be in the past. It's just wrong place, wrong time. You just didn't get the opportunities. The car wasn't there like it was for Leclerc like a couple of years before. Just little things didn't break his way. So he's just got to take the opportunities he can get. And if he does go to E and absolutely annihilate it, there might be a chance for a reserve driver role or Things like that. We haven't. That's not out of the realm. We've seen Formula E drivers still remain as reserve drivers on occasion and doing other things. So it, it's not the end. We've seen many driver come back, but I think this is probably the right decision. I think for Alpha, maybe like to we've had a crack with you. Let's move on. Let's do this pay driver thing. Um, do that, and then I know that we. I mean, Formula E is often nice compared to, to Formula back. One. Let me do a quick. A cross podcast promotion here. Uh, I interview tomorrow 
the well, I've already interviewed. Mm. That's how podcasting works. But uh, the episode with uh, Alejandro Agag, who is the owner mm. of Extreme E and the owner of, uh, well, CEO, I should say, of both Extreme E and Formula E. Uh, and I ask him this question, you know, is F1 and Formula E compared too often and should it be? Uh, and the answer you'll just have to listen to because you'll have to go to the podcast to listen to. Oh, but on, the the... The whole the whole point for him is, you know, yes, <laughs> okay, a there's a speed right there. difference. We're also seven years into the sport, Formula yeah. One, 70 years into the sport. Like we're trying and I know I want it to be faster. So yeah. Gen 4 will hopefully get to that step. Um, and Formula E, like a couple of races that I watched this year was interesting. I know people, again, it compares a lot, but my point is there's racing and it's good racing and there's different podiums happening all the time. So hopefully for Giovinazzi, mm. that means that he can have some good wheel-to-wheel racing, his talent can shine through uh, and he can g- grab some podiums because I think he deserves that uh, and it will totally be a completely different change mentally for him from coming from the back in Formula 1. All right, let's talk about what happened in Brazil because we finally got this onboard campy about uh, the Max V Lewis going into turn three, four, where is it, turn, well, three three and a half, let's say, uh, with him not really putting (laughs) any steering input in. Um, (laughs) Oh, look how wrong I was. One, two, three. Oh, you're right. (laughs) Damn it. But interesting though because... Like, I don't understand why the the footage wasn't available straight away. Like, we had onboard footage of steering wheels straight away with all the other big incidents that happened with Hamilton and Verstappen through the year, including at Silverstone and, of course, at Monza. But in your mind, Campy, it, were they right to just say play on? Uh, you, you don't have the right to, to sort of look at that in retrospect. We just got to keep going. Yeah, look, uh, seeing that footage confirmed to me everything that I thought happened anyway. Max braked, he broke way too late. He was never going to mm. make the ideal apex of the corner. Not that he has to make an apex of the corner, but what he did in doing so, he didn't, you know, he didn't get full lock on yep. the steering wheel until he was well past the apex and, you know, sort of halfway across the road into that turn five, which pushed Hamilton wide. Now, at the time, I thought it was a racing incident. I think it should have been kept a racing incident, and I'm glad no penalties been dished out. In saying that, though, I think it's cheeky from Max the way he did it. Mm. I mean, we think to a few years ago when he was moving under braking and mm-hmm. he was positioning his car in the right way. Yeah. I think the reason why Mercedes, after the new data came out and the videos came out, um, they are trying – they set a precedence that if something like that happens again on track, they have got some clear um, – clear precedent in the from the past about what Max is actually doing. Do I think it's dirty? No, I just think it was cheeky and it was a very yeah. smart way of driving without, you know, causing a crash because that's not what we want to see. So uh, I think Mercedes has been pretty mm. quite tactical about it. I think it's cheeky from Max, but as I said, we've come a long way in this sport from drivers just yeeting other drivers <laughs> off the world championships. So, ah, it's you know. happened. It's happened. Wow. Bloody hell. Well, Mark it down. Day time, 10 21st of November. I don't even know what year it means, but <laughs> you've used it before, so it works for me. Oh, so. Wow. This is a good day for uh, for campy quotes. Uh, the thing that came out of it that was really interesting to me, Tommy T, was Charles Leclerc because he then said, well, if the stewards are going to let that kind of racing happen, like that's now the standard that's been set. We've had a conversation yeah. about it, everything. Like I'm now going to change my driving style yeah, based yeah. on that information which I thought was really interesting because mm-hmm. it's obviously now has yes. ramifications for the other 18 cars, doesn't it? 
It, it, it's so hard because mm. you're always looking for loopholes in F1. We know this with regulations, with all those kind of things. The drivers are always looking for mm. driving style things. Like how much can I move under braking? Like I know I'm not supposed to move at all, but can't you'll let a little bit go. Where's the leeway? What's the line? Can I, can I dance on the line? Mm. And that's what we're talking about now is Leclerc's going, well, the line's moved because that, that should be a, a complete no go. He's like, well, if that's kind of getting let in and I've got a precedent yep. to work off, can I be a bit cheekier when defending? So I think, and to be honest, like I completely agree with it. It should be the lay of the land should be exactly the same for each driver. It doesn't matter where you are in the championship, yeah. what position your car is. If you're fighting at the back for to get out of 20th, it should be exactly the same kind of rules. It shouldn't matter that it's the first and second car. And we go, oh, we got past anyway, so let's not even review it now. Like it, it's so hard because you, you want the right result and you want it to be fair for everyone. When Lewis and Max had that collision. But, the corners before that on lap one, Lewis, uh, Max did the same thing. Lewis was actually past him on track but had the inside line and went so deep into the corner, you know, that little S mm-hmm. section before you get onto the hangar straight. So yep. he's got form and he's done it before. I just think because the championship's so tight between these guys at the moment, yeah. that's probably ultimately why the stewards let it go. But you're totally right when Carlos says, well, it's got ramifications now the lines, now the lines have moved, I think. I think the stewards and Michael Massey would be scratching their head going, they're going to have a plan going into week this weekend if that sort of driving occurs again. But mm. I think we're going to get an ultimately a statement like you cannot move while braking. You cannot change your line off, you know, and I think that's what they're going to have yeah. to do in order to fix the situation. So, Yeah, it brings up the point though because the stewards are different week to week. Do we need consistent stewards every single race? going forward where like a Michael Massey who was there every single race weekend this is kind of who's available who's the next driver who's a kind of let's well, cobble the together race our stewards that's why we're getting inconsistency surely that, you know consistent unifying between everything and he's the ultimate unifying all the yeah. yes he yeah. may not make the decisions for the stewards but he has veto power over all those things and can make those decisions mm. um, yeah yeah but I suppose if you've got like Damon Hill versus say yeah. um, Jensen Button as your driver steward, like you're going to get completely yeah, well, different thoughts what. depending on which country the person came from, let alone what happened on track. And that's kind of the issues. You just the more people you bring into it, I feel the the worse it gets. So I would like to see a rotation of five, maybe, and three each week, kind of who work and you kind of get like a couple of weeks off here and there, but consistent five people over the course of a year that are the stewards, not just this cobbled together. Oh, you used to drive. Like, do you want to come have a go? Like you haven't driven for ages, but you used to just surely, you know what we're talking about. Like it's, I know it's more than more involved than that, but that's kind of how it the feels. I'm sure the drivers feel the same asked, way and the teams definitely Massey do. and the stewards, we want consistency from weekend to weekend. And, you know, the big thing is track limits. But racing like this, to the letter of the law, Max did the wrong thing. So why didn't he get a penalty? Now, do I think he should have got one? No, because we yeah, want them to race. We exactly. want them to go hard. We want them to push each other as to the absolute limit. But to the letter of the law, he should have got a penalty, really. So why yeah. didn't he get a penalty and what was the decisions behind it? And that's what, that's the information that we don't get. The problem is, is you go into a media this weekend, you, geez, this is fascinating TV for a press conference. Let's put Toto and Christian right there mm. as Toto's arguing about the way that Max yeah. is driving and Red Bull are going, 
well, you've got a dodgy wing and we're trying to fight this, explain these scratch marks here or there and everywhere. So, I mean, we're getting – we're almost getting entertained by the lack of decision-making from the top brass. Yeah. Yep, you're exactly right, Tommy T. I'm just doing some research now. There is a panel yep. of stewards uh, that uh, are appointed for the race, three of which are FIA um, owned, I suppose, or not owned, wrong word, but you know what I mean. Uh, you know, three of them, are, and one's chosen from the <laughs> uh, the home racetrack, mm-hmm. uh, and then and the clerk of the course is also nominated by the, the home team. So the uh, the starter and Michael Massey are the two who are consistent at each rate at every race. And there's a panel that's that's chosen around there. But, I mean, look, at the end of the day, I think yeah. those three FIA stewards who are owned by the FIA now, well done, James, that me, I think there's some consistency there because I, I know that also, <laughs> and Campy had listened to my interview with Scott Elkins, who's the deputy race director for F1 sometimes, but then yeah. takes a lead for F2 and F3, uh, that they're, they're yeah. really, they try to be as consistent as possible. And so there's a, a lot of conversation going on all the time. I think it's the driver's steward that could be bloody Johnny Herbert, you know, Uncle Johnny or whoever else, that depending on the type of yeah. racing that they have had and also how long they've been out of a Formula One car or whatever kind of car for, that can mm-hmm. really be an interesting yep. side. And there's always going to be some inherent bias depending on who it is, depending on the nationality. So there's just a lot of play here. Absolutely. And like the standings, I think that plays into it. Like I think they consider that genuinely like who it is. If it's at the back of the pack and there's no championship ramifications, yeah, give them a penalty, whatever. But they've they've had to consider it so heavily because this, like we talked about, with, uh, where was that classified race, that wet one? Belgium. If it's like, so that's already like that. We don't want to have another thing in this championship where there's another asterisk potential because of this kind of call made by the stewards. We want it to be on track racing. We don't want it to be these, I don't know, people sitting at keyboards. Yeah, look, at the end of the day, no penalty was given. Happens. I think that's fair enough. Uh, let's talk about these, this rear wing debacle because uh, in uh, Q3, Max's rear wing was being tested, which I thought was interesting. It's the first time, as uh, the commentators noted, that we'd seen that kind of <laughs> action happening in a live qualifying session. Uh, Campy, do you know much more about what Red Bull are accusing Mercedes of doing with the lower or the lower plate of the rear wing? Uh, yeah, it's on the extremity of the rear wing. Uh, there seems to be some some scratch marks or some yes, yeah, literally that some scratch marks on the so on the bottom you've got your DRS flap which goes up and down. Yep. And then you've got like the face of the of the rear wing where the gap is, but then that curves down and up underneath the opening. So you can't see it from the naked eye, but there's some scratching in there, which would suggest that there's some movement and some play in this flat when it's at when it's opening, closing, and or when it's fully closed. Um, now that could be anything from damage. Um, we don't really know. Red Bull has provided a photo to the uh, to the media, but not even they can figure out what's going here. All they know is that when there's 250 kilos or in excess of, you know, at 250k an hour, you know, the kilo rating on it is around 70 to 80 kilos. There is something happening that they can't understand. So, particularly after Hungary, they noticed a massive jump in uh, Mercedes frontline speed. And since then, particularly in the last three or two races and this weekend, there's been an exponential gap from what their top speed used to be to what it is mm-hmm. now. So, 
I'm telling you, if they can't figure out what's going on, if Newey and Red Bull can't figure it out, I'm telling you, Mercedes have got something working for them that no other team's even probably thought of, conceptualised. It's probably a bit like the whatever they had last year. I can't remember the das. name of it now. It was das. So, I mean, look, but that's what you want from F1. It's always about innovation and, and not skirting the rules, but not deliberately breaking them, but operating within the rules in which the FIA and F1 set out and then there's some areas around that which are open to interpretation how they fix it. Well, put your uh, put your tinfoil beanie on, Campy, because you mentioned DAS. I just want to bring this up. There is some video footage of <laughs> Hamilton's cockpit in Brazil where it does look like the steering wheel move forward, that he pulled something and there is movement. Whether or not it's camera trickery Ew. and G-force or whether or not something has happened, jump across to Reddit team. That's where you will find that's where I saw it and it was an interesting discussion but there potentially, as you say, Campy, there is something that's happened recently to yeah. have a significant pace increase and yeah. potentially there's something to do with that. What it does, who knows? I'm sure that we will give be given the full rundown when the regulations change and they come out the other end and go, ha, this is what we did, you guys suck. Um, and what we do know is it's not going to be sorted out in the next month. No, no way. <laughs> if Red Bull make a protest. The FIA yeah. and F1 doesn't have enough time to go and figure it's out what late. they're actually doing and issue a technical directive before the last two. Right? Yeah. It's just not going to happen because Mercedes will play the long game. They'll hold it up in court and tribunals and blah, blah, blah. They've got the money to spend because yeah. they've obviously found something. But, you know, I mean, it may have been something that they stumbled, across for, uh, stumbled upon for next year's design. They go, oh, shit, maybe we can... Maybe we can put that in this year. Mm. But this is our finest. What happens? It's what we expect from Mercedes. Mm. Now, Mercedes, unlike the last six years in the turbo yeah. hybrid era, that we have, they haven't gone on a tear this season where they've gone and won like seven or eight races on the track and dominated qualifying, you know, ones and twos. I think we're going to see Mercedes go on for the last, well, last week and the next three races, the last four races. They'll go on a tear. Mm. and Red Bull won't be able to touch them if we're looking at, you know, sort of the previous six years' form. And that's the way it's looking like with this design. And, I mean, good on them for doing it. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're working towards. They've been challenged massively this year, but I think they walk away with it, you know, particularly on, like, Lewis Hamilton's pace last night. Mm. That last lap, oh, my yeah. God, where did that come yeah. from? I think I said on the chat, you know, what on earth was that? that? That was mega. Yeah, that is the true sense of the term mega. I think it's been banded around a lot with his championship wins in recent years, but that lap put together, as you say, mega, incredible, on rails, mm. reminiscent of yeah. Valtteri Bottas 2019 Australia. There you go, Tommy, just got to get it in somewhere. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about quality. Valtteri 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> 3.1. Let's talk about uh, quality yeah. then because the first point that I want to talk about is Yuki Tsunoda, he's uh, he's really tying it together in Q1. He uh, was outperforming Gasly. Of course, that's not how it you know finished up with with Q3. And fair enough, Gasly's a uh, a better driver. But yeah, yeah. So it seems though and, that it's, it's coming back to to Yuki. And uh, of course, we know that under lights in the desert Definitely. at the beginning of the year, he had a good showing. Potentially, this is just a kind of racing that he really enjoys. Tommy T. Yeah. Yeah, likes it, likes it, I don't know, under lights, different. But no, you're right, he, he definitely had the pace and 
we know he's got that raw talent. It's been consistency. This is the point that we've brought up all throughout the year and he hasn't put it together. Consistent weekends, you'd have one flash kind of practice session where he's on fire and then it just drops away and he just qualifies poorly. But fingers crossed that this is actually him getting it together and we do see some improvement. Mm. And I mean, he's around for a while now, we would assume. Like he's not he's not going anywhere. So this is what we want to see. We want to see someone who can put the car close to their teammate, like Campy's always mentioned. If you can be within that kind of three tenths at worst, that's kind of where you want to sit. You always want to be that close to your teammate. And he has been so far yeah, off it's, it's, this year. It's so like anyone. Once you get time in that out. car mm. and consistency, he got re-signed for next year. So mentally he's like, I don't have to worry about how poorly I'm performing. You know, it, <clears throat> these guys are yeah, capable yeah. drivers yeah. if they're in the world championship. So, look. It doesn't surprise me that he's starting to get some results yeah. on paper that look better than what he's been doing. Is he on par with Gasly? Absolutely not. Just should he be pushing Gasly and competing with him? Yes, he should be. But do we expect that of a first-year driver? Do we give these guys a couple of years now to grow into it? I mean, yesteryear of F1, absolutely not. If you hadn't performed within six races, you were out. Right, who's in next? This is a waste of money. Teams are taking a long-term investment, you know, on some of these mm. younger kids because they are kids. They're 18, 19, yeah. 20, 21, which is staggering oh. that organisations are willing to put these young people and throw so much money at them, you know, from a business standpoint. But, hey, they're getting the job done. So congratulations to Yuki. I mean, well done. Let's talk mm. about Fernando Alonso because uh, he back baby fifth. Uh, obviously, soft, uh, soft Ooh. tire, not the medium, but uh, the pace Ooh. of that Alpine really picking up. This is kind of that sort of Fernando that we remember, Campy. Uh, he's he's got a point to prove, and as I said up the top, I think personally the the outperforming of Ocon is significant enough that you know Alpine should be taking a look at where this contract is for Ocon for next year. Sorry for twenty twenty three and regardless that it's a, he's an Australian, be seriously going, well, we need to be looking at putting Oscar Piastri in. Sorry, actually, quick sidebar. The other sad news, obviously, is now that Danny Kvyat is not going to be the reserve driver for Alpine. So bye-bye, Daniel. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's you know, they'd be looking at this because Alonso is yeah. now finding these, his rhythm campy. Oh, yeah, look, Alonso's had some great qualifying. I think he put it in fifth, what, three races ago and, you know, got tagged on the first lap, so we missed that. So dropped back to the rear of the field. Can't remember where that was. But, mm. yeah, look, Fernando's, mate, he's still got some skills. He's a racer at heart, and it's great to see him up in five. Hopefully he gets a start tomorrow night and puts himself up in the third because that, that Alpine or the Red O is, uh, <laughs> is uh, that's like – Oh, he just go around the well, hole outside go of the off track. Some of the things that Lewis has gotten away with, yeah, on, yeah. You know, lap <laughs> one, you know, in the last few years. So I don't think you. I mean, look, Alonso's awesome. Yeah. I hope he gets a start tonight and puts himself on the podium and you know holds it because that, as I said, that Alpine's got some genuine pace this weekend, which shouldn't be surprising to us. Last year they were fighting for that. Third, fourth, and fifth. Yep. I think they ultimately came out fifth, but they had a string of races, seven or eight races, where they were clearly the third best grid on the car. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> and, uh, it's so smooth now. <laughs> oh, how good is it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> we just need to stop know, laughing. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. So it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise yeah. me. In some certain tracks, that car's really quick. So hmm. this is this is one of those tracks which is definitely beneficial for yeah. the red oak. 
Mm. I think it was just yeah. impressive to see that he was on it from the very, very start of qualifying. He was he was determined and how big the gap was to Ocon. That was the other staggering thing is like you're in the same machinery and Ocon is just – he cannot find the pace. Probably similar to what we'll talk about, I suppose, with the, with the Ferraris, how different they were. Like the pace difference was insane. Alonso – just was finding grip where no one else was almost on that track because that grip where no one else was almost on that track because they found it. I don't know. He, The Alonso of old and I think everyone on the internet was very excited for Alonso as well. He was the one that won qualifying, I think, if uh, if Reddit was scoring Well, they're it. the outliers. <laughs> they're the outliers I'll at the moment say. because they're powered by their yep. own power unit and they don't power anyone else. They've got obviously yep. completely, you know, the different, the beluga Peugeot mouse <laughs> philosophy on the airbox. There's lots of things that could potentially go really well for the car if they yeah. tied it together and, you know, carried for that. If the regulations hadn't have changed, what they would have done with Daniel last year, of course, as, as Campy mentioned before, in terms of how quick that car was, they potentially could have been easily in third position, challenging uh, at the front for, for first and second, but obviously not the case. Um, it's important though for Alpine to to have this kind of attitude. Shame though for Alonso on there has four cars to overtake and Vettel <laughs> has uh, nine, so Vettel is going to probably take over that uh, overtake championship thing. Um, but both Alpine and AlphaTauri tied uh, on 112 wow. points for for fifth and sixth, and the only reason Alpine's ahead is because Ocon had that win mm. in Hungary. For for them, I mean, look, look at the starting grid. We've got Gasly ahead of Alonso and Sonoda ahead of Ocon. Yeah. Like it's it's really just in, in – they're the battles that are going to be really interesting, I think, when it comes to the race itself, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But, Tommy, T, you mentioned Ferrari versus McLaren there. Uh, Lando Norris in six ahead of Carlos Sainz in seventh. Uh, Danny Rick with a woeful qualifying in 14th, uh, of course, and Leclerc in 13th. So it's, you know, it's – one McLaren ahead of a yep. Ferrari at the front and then a Ferrari ahead of a McLaren up back. This is, I mean, obviously it's the first time we're coming to the circuit, but as I said last week, the Ferrari power now, the the deficit that they're building to this McLaren has mm-hmm. been interesting. They're now well and truly in third place with a 287 and a half points to McLaren's 256. Uh, they will run away yeah. with it, I think, for, for third position, which will be a bit of a shame. But in terms of what Norris can do to keep these Ferraris behind because they're fairly similar when it comes to corner speed. It just now seems that this old Mercedes PU thing of, well, they're faster in the straight lines now yep. been compared to the Ferrari yep. straight line speed uh, and how he can manage it because we've seen how he's able to keep people yep. like Valtteri Bottas at Monza Even if the straight him. line speed isn't the same, I still think it's the, uh, the exit of the corners where they're faster. They pick up through those gears back to a top speed quicker than any other car on the grid almost. Like even faster than Mercedes and that's why they're hard to get past and that's what we saw Bottas last week behind Daniel and we've seen at Monza, we've seen these places where where the track is helpful in that aspect of not being too wide and not having massive DRS straights. You can, with less power on the straights, keep them behind by just getting out early on those corners and building back up those leads and I think that's what Norris is going to have to do because like you're right, Signs is going to be right there um, on those straights. And it- what do you reckon, Campy? Yeah, look, I just don't think it's one of those tracks where you'll be able to pass tonight. Mm. So 
yes, Tommy's right in saying the characteristic of McLaren is to be able to hold it, but I just don't think. I mean, there's too many mm. medium speed corners in this track where they're you know they're downshifting before a corner to get the optimum gear and traction out of it. I just their pace has been really really lacking all yep. weekend. They haven't. Like a good car. It was a surprise to me that Leclerc um, yeah. qualified where he did. Yep. Do I think? I think both Ferraris will end up in probably. I think they'll split each other. I don't think Leclerc and Ricardo can get back to Carlos and uh, and uh, Lando. But uh, yeah, it's a bit of a shame for McLaren. Really, mm. they've been in the fight, but they just haven't had the tracks. I mean, their chance was really Monza and Russia to get that massive yep. points deficit to Ferrari and it just didn't work out that way. So, uh, yeah, look, it's a shame. I think the Ferrari's, Jeff, definitely a quicker quicker car on this track. But Danny Rick's got a new chassis this weekend, which, yeah, just moving on to the McLaren, I just, I don't, Danny Rick had nothing, nothing. in qualifying. Um, nothing. I think he improved two tenths. From his uh, first lap in Q uh, in Q three to his last lap in Q two, I mean Lando found yeah. one point one seconds. Mm. That la- Lando's last lap in Q one was mm. spectacular. Yeah, really good. As I said, you know, I mean one point one, almost one point two tenths from the start of Q three, just tells me there's something going on with that Merck yeah. motor in the McLaren. Just because we've seen what Hamilton can, Hamilton can do, obviously, but just because you get the engine and you get all the same modes they get doesn't necessarily get all the technology no. and software and the IT that runs that Mercedes engine, which I think they've just had it for so long that they they understand them all. McLaren, this is the first year with the yeah. Merc in that car, so hence why we're seeing probably mm-hmm. the difference in output Uh Output, I mean, the output efficiency is clearly different from Mercedes to McLaren, but the output of the engine, I think there's still a deficit yep. between the two as well because they don't have all the internals sorted out, which is a real shame, I think. So Yeah, hopefully we can get that sorted out for, for next year. Yeah. What happened with these bloody double-waved yellows, Campy? Because if you look at the onboard for Verstappen, on the right-hand side of the track, which is coming into the final corner, uh, along the main straight where after Pierre Gasly, of course, uh, ripped his front wing off over one of those outer cor- curbs, which are very vicious, yep. absolutely, uh, which pierced his tyre. He then, front right tyre, then pulled over to the side, which was off the racing line and there was a uh, yellow and then there wasn't a yellow and then there was a yellow again and then there wasn't a yellow again. If you look at the onboard with Max, on the right-hand side, there's two green flags on the um, electronic boards, but on the left... There is some dude waving two yellow flags who clearly didn't get the memo uh, about it being absolutely fine. Um, now, afterwards, of course, we've we've had more drivers with Bottas, Verstappen and Signs being called to the stewards. Yep. But how did you see it, Campy? I mean, if you don't have any yellow flags or any yellow lights flashing up on your dashboard, uh, is that then up to the FIA and the track team to say, well, guys, you know, you're supposed to be sending the same message across all mm. of the systems, including those double-waved yellow flags, the physical flags over on the left-hand side of the track? Well, the problem is is you've got human error here. And if there is yellows anywhere on the track, regardless of what's on your dash, regardless of the electronic, if there's a man waving two yellow flags, you've got to slow down. And and that's the rules, and we do that for safety. But there is an intermittent lag between, you know, the decisions and how they're being protested. We saw on screen, we definitely had a Sector 3 yellow flag show up. Um, which 
should automatically mean everyone behind Gasly in on their last lap automatically has their lap deleted if they are in section if they are in Q, mm. uh, sector three of the track because they have to slow down therefore they can't improve. Mm. The biggest one for me, I mean, it's hard because it showed, it flashed up for about a second and a half and then was taken down. It said track clear. So I can understand the marshal is going, yep, yellows, wave them. So, you know, secondary, he probably takes two or three seconds to grab his flag, start waving them. And then he goes, you know, oh, no, it's not. Oh, really? Are we correcting that? So, you know, there's always going to be human latency in those uh, regardless of the electronic things. Um, the one for me is Norris. Norris should be the one directly affected by that because he's the immediate car behind Gasly on track. So I'm not sure why Gasly wasn't summoned to the stewards. Uh, sorry, Norris wasn't summoned to the stewards and his lap time was deleted as well because that to me doesn't make, stake, make sense. He was flying past Gasly on the straight and we don't know whether there was someone waving yellows into that last turn. It was speculated on the broadcast, but we just don't know. But every other car behind them had to slow down. So why did Norris? I don't quite understand that. He was the car directly behind Gasly, albeit five or six seconds behind him, but or ten seconds behind him realistically. So anyway, look, it's an interesting one. I'm not sure. I think the stewards might have missed some, missed one of those somewhere. It's one of those ones like don't mention it on the broadcast because the stewards <laughs> won't pick it up. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those ones. I think. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We'll see what happens. Of course, although it shouldn't necessarily affect where Verstappen. Starts, uh, no. if to be honest, he wants to be in third, so maybe he wants that track yeah. time, that time deleted. Although then Bottas would also say, anyway, yeah. whatever, it would just all play well, out that Bottas way. Bottas would have been on for second too, so mm. he was he was only what a tenth and a half down on Hamilton's time at the time. Better so. for Mercedes for Bottas to start in in third, quite yeah. honestly, and yeah. uh, take yeah. Max's attention Big away time. from Lewis. Uh, Lewis. That's, that's absolutely yeah. it. all right. Well, let's see how. The uh, grid starts, shall we? Hamilton in first, of course. Max in second. As I said, he really wanted to start in third like he did in Mexico because he, he just went around the outside and led for the rest of the, the race. Uh, Bottas was was on pretty much all weekend, Campy. He was leading, leading, leading all the qualify- uh, Sorry, the practice sessions as well. He just couldn't get it quite tied together. But, of course, we know Hamilton was on it. That, that last lap, as you say, was mega. It wasn't too far off, though, Valtteri Bottas. I mean, he was six tenths off. I mean, you got to take that last lap that got deleted mm. into account. Yeah. He was right there, mm. tenth and a half after two sectors. So, I mean, he would have ended up second on the grid, uh, stepping in third. I think it probably works out for Burke, as you said, Jim. So, yeah, look, Valtteri, I mean, he's good, but he's coming up against – I did listen to that uh, interview with him as well. Good. On uh, Beyond the Grid and Kraken interview. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's – Totally a competent driver in this sport. Excellent. To even compete with Lewis Hamilton is no mm. mean feat in itself. And to do it week in, week out, yeah, he hasn't had the consistency throughout the five years that he's been there. But, I mean, we've seen he's in this purple patch really, for, you know, since he signed that contract and he's performed exactly where the team wanted him to perform. Yep. And I think for Mercedes, the key for the race is that he's going to be able to play a big role. Yes tomorrow night, whereas uh, Red Bull don't have Perez, Perez to do so. Yeah, the only concern that I have is that something happens to him, he gets spun around again, and, you know, that that loses out. But Sergio Perez starts in 11th, but certainly Bottas 
uh, the stronger of the second drivers. Tommy T, Pierre Gasly starts in fourth. Yet another bloody solid so weekend so far yep. for him. Uh, what do you think we can expect from from him in that? Uh, I mean, is he really going to try and play a bit of a team Honda game here? Nah, or is he going to do his own thing? I don't think he will. He doesn't know that team anything, does he really? No, he does um, not. <laughs> no, I think he'll just do the same thing he always does. He'll try and stay as close to those leaders as he can while extending a gap between the pack and not having a DRS train form behind him. If he can stay out yep. ahead of those next cars, he can just run his own race, pit when he's optimal and just run that yep. like computer-generated strategy to perfection. And that's kind of what they want, don't be they? be interesting to see what happens. Well, I was going to say it's interesting to see what happens because he's red, red stripes mm. off tyres. So he's going to have a bit of an advantage on yep. the start to Bottas, Max mm. and Lewis. So... Again, I hope he doesn't get into tangle with Bottas. But, I mean, we know he's a good starter. Could there potentially be some issues for Valtteri or for Max if he gets himself up in the mix by yeah, turn definitely. one? I th- I, that, that would be lovely. That's a great way to start a race. <laughs> Let's do that. I would prefer that. Thank you. Okay, great. <laughs> Book that in. Here's French. His hands will go up in the air at some stage and go, oh, yeah, oh good. There it is. Uh, Fernan- <laughs> Could be tonight. Fernando Alonso fifth. I'm a bit dirty on the French, actually. They beat the All Blacks this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you what, that English referee, Rain Barnes, what an absolute dud of a referee <laughs> that guy is. Only a pom would make some of those decisions. Jeez. Love oh. it. Love it. So I was, I was ready to rage on the French this it's morning. I'm too happy with them, but good on them. They played well. <laughs> Oh, okay, good. Uh, well, not a bad thing for Fernando Alonso's <laughs> French team in, in yes. fifth. Uh, Lando Norris starts in sixth ahead of Carlos Sainz in seventh. Yuki Tsunoda in eighth. Again, soft tyre as well for ahead of Ocon, who's also on the softs. Seb Vettel in tenth uh, ahead of Sergio Perez. Now, Perez is really yeah. out of position here, Campy. Like, it's no good for, for Red Bull, who were really chasing down both constructors and drivers' championship. It's going to put the pressure on. Uh, do you think that's going to be the thing that actually sends Lewis to the front without, you know, that second driver for Red Bull being able to play a strategy game here? No, I don't think so. I think Lewis will probably win and... I think BB will probably come second. I don't think Perez can play a role. Um, I don't – yeah, look, he's been off the pace this weekend. Interestingly, though, I think it was Ant Davidson or maybe Paul uh, Resto who took us through the lap. The car looked great. Yeah. Looked on rails. It looked like he's doing it. Yes, he wasn't using the, the mm-hmm. curbs like he probably should have. Could have used a bit more curb, extend that racing line, carry a bit more entry and exit speed. But – I mean, there has been some drivers that have struggled on this track for whatever reason uh, this weekend. And, you know, we've got Leclerc, Daniel Ricciardo and himself, you know, top three, top four teams on the grid. And at least one of their drivers is struggling. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me either. Tommy T, the difference though with Sergio is that he's raced here before Mm. and he's won here before. GP2 Asia, him, Nico Hockenberg as well. So there's only two people on this grid who have Mm. raced here before. Mazepin's one of them. Uh, and Sergio Perez. So mm. should have, as yeah, I know, as Ricardo said, home team advantage, you, you don't get that to helped do him a lot. It didn't matter because he, uh, <laughs> he didn't even uh, get into the top 10. But it's interesting, isn't it? So the, I wonder the way yeah. that he was driving, instead of learning like everyone else, he just found, you know, recalled what he was doing in that GP2 car and, as Campy said, playing a little safer not sending it outside the curbs yep. like uh, a lot of other people were doing, I wonder. Yeah, I, I don't know what he was doing. Perez, like it, that car definitely has the pace around here in comparison to the teams, what the four ahead of him at least, he should be 
Yeah. Uh, unsure, but that's definitely going to make Max's life harder. I think that's obviously the main thing that Red Bull is thinking about. They were like, yeah, it sucks for Perez, but really like that screwed Max a lot for tomorrow's strategy and just limits everything he can do. Yeah. Yep. That, that's going to be the biggest thing. And uh, like, and he's going campy. No, you're right. I was going to say, and he's in a campus sandwich. <laughs> Two Aston Martins on either side of him. <laughs> My favorite campus sandwich, uh, which was interesting for Aston Martin because they had a little bit more pace on those soft tires. <laughs> Seb out the front. Campus sandwich. Uh, what the heck is and, that? And Stroll That's behind so him. But look, Seb Vettel is going to. Is going to defend hard, yep. and you know yep. if if this is the kind of track that there's no going to, not going to be any overtaking, then Perez is screwed because you look at who's ahead of him, and yep. there's not going to be any easy overtakes for him. I'll just say that, like in quality two Q one and Q two, there was a second between the top fifteen drivers yeah. or nine yeah, tenths, yep. which is what we want to see on the grid, right? So, which I think that indicates. To a race pace, it's going to be mega tough to uh, mm. take, particularly if there's like a DRS train mm. somewhere along the grid. Um, but can we talk about track limits for two seconds? Yes, yeah, let's go. This is the perfect track to get track limits yep. right on and just say, hey, the white line's yep. the line. Don't stuff it up. The amount of times I saw that I saw every driver get over the white lines and, oh, that's not a problem there, and then, oh, no, this corner, that it's like, what on earth are we doing? We've got a curb, then we've got some green concrete, you know, painted to look nice. It's not AstroTurf. It's like, geez, this is the perfect race to just say, if both wheels are off, your lap's yep. deleted. And it would actually make the track a lot more raceable, yes. and in my opinion, because it would force drivers to not, you know, push the boundary so much and I think they've missed a perfect opportunity to get what the fans want right when it that comes was, to track limits. Why do they only care about it on a That was beautiful and succinct. And not, I love that. Yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's, uh, that's the episode there preview. There's the social preview. Freya Damn. loves a rant, so there you oh, go. <laughs> what was that about Kevin Durant? <laughs> she loves the rant. <laughs> Kevin Durant's better than KD. MJ as well. Man, you are just changing. Yeah. First yeah. LeBron, now, now Kevin Durant. I just didn't uh, expect it. So that's 12th. 12th in so hard for Stroll, 13th uh, LeBron James starts there. What do you think LeBron, Tommy T, can, can do from there? LeBron. Oh, no, sorry, Leclerc. Leclerc. Wrong Le. He'll choke. Le. He'll choke. He'll choke. From Leclerc does not like starting from the back. We know this, and this is one of my, like, favourite takes, is that he gets the red mist and just does stupid stuff. So if he can mm. and he can clear away he's, and get some safety cars for other people like Daniel, that'd be lovely. He does not know. <laughs> he's a monogasque. He's basically, he's got some French in him a fair bit, so... <laughs> <laughs> not, it's it not incorrect. Um, but again, out of position <laughs> along with uh, with Danny Rick yeah. in fourteenth, who uh, is ahead of George Russell. This is how far back he is in fifteenth. Oh. Uh, Mr. Saturday, there it was again. It's disappointing to hear it from the commentators. Uh, we know also, though, that uh, obviously the last couple of races now for both Alfa Romeo drivers, Kimi Raikkonen in sixteenth and uh, Giovinazzi in. Uh, in 18th with our favourite Canadian in between them. He was good. Um, Latifi was good. Yes. He did not get yes. his, his last lap in, in time. I think it was some traffic or something, but he was ahead of Russell at every stage and then Russell would improve. So I, I think very unfair on Latifi. I think he definitely had the opportunity to beat his teammate and get into the next qualifying. So good things for him next year. That's what we're hoping for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's going to be the nicest grid on the team. So, 
That's what we want to hear and see, absolutely. And it'll be interesting to see what Williams are doing with the uh, the development they get, that extra time in wind tunnel because they're further down the, the uh, grid than anyone else. But, of course, Alfa Romeo further down than them and with someone like Valtteri Bottas coming in with some interesting information around the 2022 car for Mercedes, whilst it might not be so up-to-date anymore. And as he said on that podcast, no one's spoken to him in the last month about it. <laughs> but at least last year they were probably talking about it. It will be interesting to see what yeah. Alfa can do. And, of course, the very back, uh, Mazepin in 20th and Schumacher in 19th. I'll just say Mazepin was two, two and, and a half seconds. seconds behind Schumacher. I know he didn't get a lot of lap time this weekend. That is unacceptable. That's so, so slow. Long back. Long way back. And it, it what it probably means, uh, and that's your starting grid for, for tomorrow morning, our time or Sunday if you're listening anywhere else in the uh, in the world. But for for this track, let's talk about this track because this is one of the things to watch out for in the race. Campy, do you think we're going to see any overtaking? Because it's a quick lap time, and if everyone's sitting within, you know, DRS trains, then we're potentially going to catch someone like Mazepin very quickly, and it's going to be an interesting back marker very quickly mm. kind of race. No, I don't think we'll see a lot of overtaking. As I said before, I think if we had track limits right, we would have had this race would have been a lot more raceable uh, and interesting for the viewers to watch at home. Uh, I think it would have probably slowed them down by upwards of a second and a half, two seconds. So now then we're talking about, you know, 133s is a qualifying time. Uh, I think that just makes it a lot. Yeah. Anyway, it's going to be tough for people to overtake. I think it'll be a boring track. I think it'll produce a boring race. In saying that, I like this track. Yeah. It's great. The onboards are awesome. cracking. Yeah. Oh, it's quite it's often awesome. the way, isn't it? <laughs> they're good um, to drive and they're yeah, good to watch, but they're shocking for racing. Can I just say, I'm looking forward to Jeddah. Dear Lord, that track looks incredible. Not that I, not that I like video games, or I would tell any of the listeners to go and play it. I watched a few. I watched a few of a uh, few race plays on uh, F1 2021, and I just think we're in for an absolute cracker of a race at that track. That track has got everything you want. Yeah, it's got um, everything you want follow. except for a physical track. Except it's not moment, done. Which is probably <laughs> <Except> it's not <laughs> there. Hmm. It's like we're nice, but is it really that bad? Mate, is there's it no still bitumen and walls and that's still it? not completed yet. That's uh so Where are we going there? Three weeks, two weeks. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Right down to the wire. Yeah. Love that. It's like I wonder if we'd had all year planning to uh, to build it. Anyway, uh, but yeah, so that's going to be interesting to see the the <laughs> physical element of the track. I think as well because it's uh, third race in a row. Uh, it's quite quick. It's technical. It's fun. There's a lot of G's through that last sort of technical section, and especially with Hamilton's on board, he's just in seventh for every corner. Yeah, like that's a lot of G. You know, it's gonna it's yeah. gonna be interesting to see at the end of the it's race. Like yeah, how how tired these guys are because that might also mm. play into it as well. Um, and they'll be very happy for the break. I can only imagine. Of course, we've mentioned this, but Max's start's going to be important to see where he goes. Uh, of course, but Valtteri Bottas, I think, starting third on the clean side of the track, so to speak, will be interesting to see if he can just get in behind Lewis and stay there. Uh, Perez, as we've mentioned, starts outside the top ten. Does that? You know, help Red Bull at all? Nope, not even in the bloody slightest. It, sorry, it will help because he gets tire choice to the uh, sure to the to the you know. I mean, Gasly back in the ten rule on mm. softs, so um, that will help him strategy wise. Yep, absolutely, good point. Well, so well, he raised. may have a role to play later. Mm. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting too, Campy, to see 
what the tires do because we know it's it's nighttime running potentially well, obviously slightly cooler than yeah. during the day but the softs might last a little bit longer than people are expecting mm. uh and of course obviously with that yellow striped medium tire if Perez can't get past those soft runners you know quickly then you know he might burn those tires up following along in that turbulent air yeah look I think it'll be a one stop degradation's not huge from what we've seen particularly the race sims in uh, in uh, P two, so it'll be a soft to hard or medium to hard. Really. Yeah, interesting. It will be very interesting to watch. And of course, AlphaTauri and Alpine. That's that's probably going to be the most interesting battle outside yeah. of Max and Lewis, uh, just to see how they josh around the place. But I look Fernando Alonso and Pierre Gasly. That's going to be a bloody good battle to watch. Gasly in fourth, Alonso in fifth. That's where my eyes will be because Danny Rick is too far down the back for me mm-hmm. to be able to try and find no, him. We got a, we got a decent run into turn one, and turn one's going to be interesting. It's going to be a bit like a Barcelona start, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, sorry, a Suzuka start where you know you do not break until you've actually passed the apex of the mm-hmm. first corner, and then you you know, trail break until you're almost into turn two. So I think a lot of the drivers will be, uh, you know, looking to get a really good start because there's a bit of a run. It's not massive. It could be longer. I always prefer a longer start. But just depending on some of the lines you can take into turn one, we can see them take all this pace in and break really late mm-hmm. in the corner. So, I mean, that could be that could be a cracking start for Danny Rick because we know he's got his starts dialed at the moment, so it wouldn't surprise me if he jumped up, you know, seven, eight positions off. Uh, oh. off well, start, all right. So. Why don't <laughs> – <Jesus. laughs> <laughs> He likes to just jump up 12 positions straight into second. Uh, good. Well, look, that's all to, to come, of course. Uh, this is a dumb time to watch uh-huh. a Formula 1 race. Uh, 1 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or Daylight Time or wherever we are time on the eastern side of this country. Uh, hopefully it's a better time for you. would be unless you live in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, look, thanks very much for listening. Uh, guys, thank you for your time, of course, in, in this. We're going to have a bright and early podcast for your ears for your listening pleasure <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, we will be podcasting pretty much straight after the race. Send I think that means help. red flags. Don't not say it. Oh, Let's say this now. <laughs> if it's a red flag event, I'm going to bed and then getting <laughs> yeah. up and doing the podcast because okay. as yeah. soon as there's a red flag, no, nah, going to bed, can't be bothered. That was that Bahrain too Ooh. with Grosjean, who's obviously luckily okay, but that just hurt. Yeah. Big time. Brazil too. Oh, no, we didn't have Brazil last year. What was the other race red flag happened? Uh, it was Magello or Monza. No. Uh, all of them, wasn't it? At some point, there's just so many red flags. Anyway, look, thanks so much for listening. Uh, please go and jump over to our Discord server if you haven't already. You can chat with all of us during the race. That's where we'll be. Uh, and also, don't forget to update your fantasy team names. Here's a little bit of a teaser for you at some point. In the next couple of weeks, uh, we are going to have a very special guest uh, as an interviewee, a first non-Australian interviewee on the podcast in the form of who one Josh Revel, who uh, I oh, will be I love that dude. To. Uh, I like that Cabby said, who is it, even though <laughs> we spoke about this only a couple yeah, of days ago. I forgot. Ago. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Uh, but that interview will be out on Monday the 6th of December ahead, of course, of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Uh, no, it won't because, no, it'll be out after the Abu Dhabi. Oh, look, it's going to be out at some point, all right? And bloody Jeddah and everything else. It's all going to be too much. But anyway. Go and, go and watch Josh Revel videos. Catch up. Catch up. Uh, Our favourite New Zealander. Camping the bin, Josh Revel Definitely. promoted. Well, thanks to you. We will chat in only, only a couple of hours' time as we review 
the Qatari Grand Prix. How are you enjoying your new stands, your new mic stands, lads? Oh, you're using it, Tommy. I like it. See it. Yeah, how Ooh, good yeah. is it? It's got. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Just stays attached to my desk all the time. It's good like for you, just... Cam, because you love playing with that bloody thing. It's your yeah. favourite thing to do is move the microphone, and that oh, stand mate, does I'm not make sh- any noise. It does. It's nice. shocking in front of a camera. You are just a fiddler. Fiddler on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> fiddler on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> 